Good morning. Good to see everybody. Good to have some visitors with us this morning. We're thankful for your being here. Luke, the 14th chapter is what we're going to take a look at this morning. And the title of our lesson is The Best Seats and the Great Supper. And then uh, Luke, the 14th chapter, what we're going to see is that Jesus has been invited to dinner. And then to start off with, he's going to ask a question. And we'll notice why does he ask that question right away. And then he's going to tell them two parables. So three points. He's going to ask a question. He's going to talk about the best seats. And then he's going to talk about that great supper, uh, that invitation. And so I'll just go ahead and pull up that first uh, point there from uh, our first question there. Let me tell you, uh, just going in. Kind of an interesting series of events that takes place there. Jesus goes to this dinner. And uh, right away he asks this question. And then he tells this parable about when you go to a wedding and you pick out the best seats and so forth. And then he talks about being invited to this dinner. And you kind of think, what has all that got to do with what's taking place there? Well, let me tell you this, the reason for that. Luke, the 14th chapter, is a trap. That's the reason why Jesus asks a question and then he tells these two parables. They have set him up and they think that they are going to hopefully discredit him. But that's not going to quite work out the way that they intended because Jesus is always one step ahead. But I thought it was interesting, and as I had already planned earlier in the week uh, in regards to doing this particular section of Scripture, one of the reasons, and I'm going to just tell you, uh, this is like spoiler alert, what's this about? It's about humility. That's what it's about. And how critical that is if you're going to be a part of the kingdom. It's a lesson that we need to learn early on. It's a lesson that we need to be reminded of. And forever is a part of our service, our service to God. So here's sort of the uh, interesting part, I thought, in the events taking place this week. I don't know how much you stay up with this. I don't follow this real close. I didn't watch any of it. But yesterday evening was the White House Correspondents' Dinner. Are you aware of that? <laughs> yeah, a lot of people go, ah, I don't pay no attention to that. Well, I don't blame you. <laughs> so... You've got the president there. You're going to have all the journalists and the media, so forth, representatives there. And they're going to talk about some current events and kind of their relationship and so forth. And I thought to myself, boy, there's going to be a whole lot of egos in that room. You know that? (laughs) But it's a dinner. The White House Correspondents' Dinner. And they're invited. And I thought, what if Jesus was invited to that dinner? What would that be like? And as I think about Luke, the 14th chapter, and I think about some of those that were there on that particular occasion, and we'll get to that in just a moment. But I think about this White House Correspondents' Dinner and who might be there. Some of the society's leading citizens and so forth. Some who might be religiously connected, and then some who might be just woke, right? 
So I thought to myself, what if Jesus were there? And there were some there that were, and I'm fully confident there were, there's those who are atheist. And Jesus comes in as the Messiah. And some would be saying, you're not real. <laughs> and Jesus would be like, oh yeah? <laughs> and then there might be some others who are religiously associated, which there are in Luke 14 chapter. And they might think, well, you're just one of many religious leaders. You're not our, necessarily our spiritual leader. And Jesus would be saying, oh yeah? And then there would be those who are woke, right? And if you were as smart as us, you would join us. And Jesus would be gone. Oh yeah? So I thought about that. I thought, how would Jesus respond to that crowd? I believe he would respond to today's crowd just exactly the way he responded to this crowd. They had tried to set him up. They wanted to discredit him. But that's not what Jesus wanted to do to them. And it's amazing that they would want to do that to him, but when it comes to him responding to them, you know what he wanted? You know what he would say? In a roundabout way, in these parables, this is what he's going to say. I love you. I care about you. I want to save you. I'm willing to die for you. Even though there's some of you that would like to kill me. And what Jesus wants most of all, he wants them to listen. To just listen to what he has to say. And it's interesting the events that take place here and what Jesus does so that he can just get their attention so that they might listen to him. I would suggest to you it would be the very same thing today. What Jesus might do would be an attempt to just get people to listen to him. So as you take a look at Luke the 14th chapter, I would just say this as we get into it, that Luke 14 is a part of the Gospel of Luke. And Luke is going to present Jesus as the perfect man and also as the king that was coming into the world. And Luke the first chapter and about verses 32 and 33 is where Gabriel appears unto Mary and he says, He will be great and he will be the son of the Most High and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. Did you hear that? So if he walks into this dinner, do you accept him as the son of the Most High? Do you accept him as the one who's going to sit on the throne of David? He's going to be king. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. This is the perfect king. Bringing his kingdom. And there will be no end to that kingdom. Hey, this is the one you've been looking for. 
This is the one that was promised. This is the blessing that God spoke to Abraham about that is now coming to the world. And yet, they wanted to reject him. And the problem was, is because Jesus didn't fit their image. Do you think Jesus fits the image today of the leader that a lot of people aren't looking for? <laughs> and so they would look at him and it's not the, that's not the leader that I want. And so they were rejecting him. And they were not accepting him as the Messiah and as the king. And because of their misconceptions, Jesus oftentimes was correcting them. And so you can imagine sort of the elite of society. Hey, we're the ones that people look up to. And now you're correcting us? And you know what that led to? It led to them resenting Him. And it led to them wanting to get rid of Him. And even in his, own or his hometown of Nazareth on one occasion, after He had spoken in the synagogue, you know what they wanted to do? Luke, the fourth chapter. <laughs> they wanted to take Him outside of town and throw Him off a cliff. <laughs> Luke the 6th chapter. They wanted to figure out how to get rid of him. And in Luke, 7, Luke 6 also it says, they watched him closely. They weren't watching him closely for leadership. They were watching him closely in hopes they would find some way to trip him up. Discredit him. Get rid of him. So Luke the 14th chapter is just a, simply a reflection of this ongoing animosity that existed between them. So in Luke, the 14th chapter, I'm going to read verses 1 through 4. Luke 14, 1 through 4. Now it happened as he went into the house of one of the rulers of the Pharisees to eat bread of the, on the Sabbath, that they watched him closely. And behold, there was a certain man before him who had dropsy. And Jesus answering spoke to the lawyers and Pharisees saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? But they kept silent and he took him and healed him and let him go. Isn't that interesting? Jesus knows the moment he walks into that room. I wasn't invited here because I'm your honored guest. I've been invited here into this home of a Pharisee on the Sabbath and there's a man sitting right here for everybody to see and I can, cannot help but see him. And he has, it says, dropsy. You should probably talk to somebody who's medically astute. <laughs> this is some kind of fluid buildup within the body and it becomes obvious and there he is. It's the Sabbath. 
He's there in front of a Pharisee, a leader, a ruler. This is a man who knows the law. And it also says the lawyers were there. What's he going to do? Will he heal? He's done it before. It's the Sabbath. We'll trip him up. And then we'll discredit him. We will humiliate him in front of the whole crowd. And so Jesus is going to respond to that scenario. He's going to first address this man and then he's going to tell a couple of parables. Now before we get to all of that, I just want to say this about parables. Parables, those earthly stories with a heavenly or spiritual meaning, right? And it's oftentimes been said that, spirit, or that parables have a point. And that's the way that they should be understood. You read the entire parable, there may be various aspects to it, but it's really just trying to make a point. And as one writer said, if you take an arrow, it has a point. And you feel the impact of that arrow at that point. And Jesus is going to make a point. <laughs> and he wants them to feel it. So in Luke, the 14th chapter, it's the house of a Pharisee. There's the Pharisees and the lawyers that are there. It's the Sabbath day. Here is a man who is suffering from a physical ailment. And Jesus walks in and immediately he takes control of the situation. He takes control of the room. And you know what he does? He is a master teacher. <laughs> he feels what's going on. He understands what's going on. And he's going to respond to it in such a way as to first neutralize the conflict. And so what he does is he asks a question. Hey, you guys, you're the teachers of the law. You are the teachers, teachers. You are the professors. You are the ones that know the law. So let me just ask you a question. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? How many hands do you think should be flying up at that moment? I'll tell you. I'll and how many go up? None. <laughs> Wait a minute. Where'd all that confidence go? Is it legal? Simple question. You all teach the law. Is it legal to heal on the Sabbath? Crickets. Nobody answers. So all of a sudden, they're not feeling quite as sure as themselves 
as they once did. You see what that does? That just kind of neutralizes it, doesn't it? Okay. Now that I got your attention, watch me. And so he takes the man and he heals him. What does that tell you? Anybody else been able to do that kind of thing? I know what Nicodemus said in John the third chapter. Rabbi, we know that you must become from God because no man can do the things you do except God be with him. Miracles were a confirmation of who Jesus was. He asked a question. You don't have the answer. He performs a miracle proving who he is. And now, are you ready to listen? And so verse 5. Then he answered them, after he heals the man, lets him go. <coughs> Which of you, having a donkey or an ox that has fallen into a pit, will not immediately pull him out on the Sabbath day? Stop thinking about that one. Jesus asked, first of all, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? You know what they would tell him? Don't you dare. <laughs> Don't you dare. And yet Jesus takes this man, this poor man, in this condition. And he heals him. And lets him go. A fellow human being. And then he asked another question. Which of you having a donkey or an ox, if he falls into a ditch, he needs help? Which of you wouldn't help him on the Sabbath? And among the Jews, there were certain things that were allowable. For instance, if your donkey or your ox fell into a ditch and you need to pull him out, it's okay. In fact, on another occasion, Jesus said, which of you would not untie your animal and lead him to water on the Sabbath? You do that. You do that for an animal. But you're not quite sure whether or not it's legal for me to heal this man on the Sabbath. But by his miracle, he proves that he's deity. And he proves that they ought to be listening to him. So now then, he teaches that first parable. Luke 14, beginning at verse 7. So he told a parable to those who were invited. When he noted how they chose, he doesn't point out to them. He lets them figure it out for themselves, right? So he told a parable to those who were invited when he noted how they chose the best places, saying to them, 
When you are invited by anyone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in the best place, lest one more honorable than you be invited by him. And he who invited you and him come and say to you, give place to this man. And then you begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down in the lowest place so that when he who invited you comes, he may say to you, friend, go up higher. Then you will have glory in the presence of those who sit at the table with you. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. There's the point. Verse 11. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. You know what Jesus is saying? The way you choose where you're going to sit shows just how much self-pride you feel. And I'm telling you that in the kingdom, whoever exalts himself will be humbled. But the one who is humbled or is humbled, he will be exalted. You know what Jesus is trying to get him to see? Because he's already announced way previous to this. That they should repent because the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, is at hand. And do you know what's keeping you out of the kingdom? It's your pride. It's your pride that's keeping you out of the kingdom. And you know what happens when a person is full of pride? I don't need to listen to you. I already know. So I'm not going to listen. And Jesus just wants desperately for them to listen. That's what he wants. But if they won't listen, they can't be in the kingdom. He can't be their king. He can't be their Lord. He can't be their Savior if they won't listen. So let me run this by you. Jesus says, unless you believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. John 8. Jesus says, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father which is in heaven. But if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father which is in heaven. Jesus said previous to this in Luke 13, except you repent, turn away from the world. Turn away from all that selfish pride. And humble yourself and turn to him. Except you repent, you'll perish. And then it's Jesus. And how many times have I ever argued this point with somebody? <clears throat> Is baptism essential? 
Well, let me just tell you what the Savior said. (laughs) Mark 16, He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Believe who He is. Confess Him. Repent and turn back to Him. Have your sins washed away in baptism. And Paul says you rise to walk in newness of life. And in John 3, you're born into the kingdom by the water and the Spirit. How many do you think at that correspondence dinner would just simply listen to that message? And what would Jesus do to try to get their attention? Same thing he did back then. To get people to just simply listen. In the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 and verse 3, Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. That's the first of the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. As someone has said, that's the foundation for which all else is built. That's where we start. (laughs) Because if you don't have that, are you going to listen to the rest of what he has to say? And so what Jesus is trying to get them to do is just simply listen to what he has to say. So he addresses that to the crowd. Verse 12. Then he also said, then he also said to him who invited him, when you give a dinner or a supper, do not ask your friends, your brothers, your relatives, nor rich neighbors, lest they also invite you back and you be repaid. When you give a feast, invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Because they cannot repay you, for you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just. What Jesus just say? Obviously, the one who owned this house, he's a religious leader, he's a Pharisee, a leader of the Pharisees. He has this home, he is capable of entertaining several and inviting them to dinner. He's got the wherewithal to do that. But oftentimes in that day and time, just like in this day and time, the elite, the higher in society, who do they invite? There's a celebrity guest list, is there not? (laughs) And those who attend your party... That guest list makes you look good. You had who? Oh, I had this sports figure, and I had this Hollywood star, and I had this person from political realm. Wow, and they came to your house. You must be something. And so that's what Jesus said. Whenever you do this, don't do it for your benefit. Do it for somebody else's benefit. You know what he's saying? 
He wants those in the kingdom to have the same kind of heart that he has. And the heart that Jesus had was a servant's heart. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. He gave his life so that we, who could not repay him, could be saved. And that's what Jesus said. And then he says, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. God sees. He'll be rewarded for it. It may not be today, but God sees and he will repay. And then, the great supper. Verse 15, I'm going to read through verse 24. Now one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things, and he said to him, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then he said to him, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many. And he sent his servants at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. But all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Still another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and reported these things to the master. Then the master of the house being angry said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in here the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded, and still there is room. Then the master said "Go to the, said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those men who are invited shall taste my supper. So he says, go and invite. And especially the Jews should have been listening. But instead of them coming to him and becoming a part of the kingdom, they had all kinds of excuses. In verse 15, One says, blessed is he who eats bread in the kingdom. And he likens it to a feast in which many are invited. But they make excuses. Well, I bought some land. I can't can't make it today. I bought some livestock. I, I can't make it today. I got married. Can't make it. Can't make it today. You know what that reveals? That just simply reveals where a person's priorities are. Now I'm I'm not trying to be critical. I'm just saying 
Think about that. Think about the invitation and think about how they say, this is where my priorities are. And Jesus, once again, is trying to make that point. Do you recognize the invitation that is being extended to you? And you think this is more important? Let me ask you something. You invited anybody to church lately? And does anybody ever say, well, can't make it Sunday because I got this. Or I can't make it, I got that. Once again, I'm not trying to be critical. (laughs) That's not the point. And I don't believe in Jesus, the method he used, and the parables that he taught. Once again, I do not believe that he was trying to humiliate them. I do believe he was trying to humble them. And there's a difference. Can't you just see what's being offered? And won't you consider that? And what's really important in life? Verse 24. For I say to you, that none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper. You know, sometimes we look at that and we say, well, Jesus is saying, well, you're not going to get a taste of my supper. And we think, well, that shows them, doesn't it? Teaches them right. This was a great feast. You're not going to have it. I believe what Jesus is trying to say is, if you refuse the invitation, you miss the blessing. You miss the blessings. And there are blessings blessings in Christianity now and for eternity. I think in my life, other than maybe the 60s, <laughs> there's probably been no time in society where the need for Jesus is more obvious than it is now. Is society a mess? And could they use a king now? And would that bring blessings now? And does it bring blessings for eternity? Yes. And so what Jesus is saying is, they shall not taste of, they shall not enjoy the blessings of my son. And oftentimes we look at that and we say, You'll miss heaven. And that's true. But you also miss the blessings now. You miss them now. They make excuses. But you know what the ironic part in all of this is, I believe? They were enjoying blessings from him. Just like people today who reject Jesus Christ. They're enjoying His blessings now. Because in Matthew, the fifth chapter, about verse 45, 
Jesus says he sends the sunshine on the evil and the good. And he sends the rain on the just and the unjust. You know what that says? You may not acknowledge him, but right now, he's still blessing you every day. And he's extending that invitation every day while there is still time. And if we will just be humble enough to listen, what blessings we will have. But they were blinded by their pride and they wouldn't listen. Listen. There's an old saying that goes like this. Sin first blinds and then it binds. And what Jesus was doing was trying to get them to open their eyes so that they might listen. So they invited him to dinner. It was a setup. He walked in and took control of the situation and neutralized it. And then he taught these parables in an attempt to bless them. Those who would reject him, those who would kill him, he was still reaching out for and wanted to save them. That's Luke 14, at least the first part of it. I'm going to extend the invitation, the Lord's invitation at this time. If there's any way we can help you in making your relationship right and initially becoming obedient to him, or if you need to come back and make your life right with Him. You let us know while together we stand and while we sing.